0: Excellent. Let's, uh, let's dive into the Word of God, and uh, that is our Bible. If you don't have a Bible, please don't leave here today without one. It is our joy to give you a Bible. Uh, there in the back, as you exit today, we'll have uh, Bibles. Please take one of those. It is a, it's a joy for us to give that to you. So please take one. <clears throat> Maybe you have one, you just can't find it. That's, that's fine. Go ahead and, and take one. We, we really want you to. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's in two sections. There's an the Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament is a story of God creating the world, and, and, uh, uh, and, and then he, the, he, he chooses uh, a people to help save the world because man is sinful. And um, through this people, he promises that one day he will, he will make things new, and he will build a, a new covenant or a new law or a new testament. And so uh, Jesus comes around, and he ushers in a, a new law, uh, and as a law of, of, of love, uh, still judgment, but also love, they, they do coexist and, and do so very well through God. Uh, not through us, because our judgment is a little off, huh? Uh, but he ushers this in, and that's the difference in the Old and the New Testament. And there is one unified story throughout the Bible, and it is your story. Uh, I want to point that out. Uh, because this is your story, and, and unless, unless, of course, you're perfect, or sinless, or maybe, maybe you just you got saved at a young age, and then you just haven't sinned since then. If that's the case, grab the mic and come on up, because we need to hear from you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will be with us, that you will teach us, that you will show us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak these things straight into our, our heart. And uh, we, uh, we need you. We need a word from you or, or we have nothing worth hearing. And So it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, in, in the beginning of the Bible, we're faced with a dilemma. Uh, see, in the Scripture, a lot of times... Um, you will have uh, a section in the opening of a book, uh, and it will be the summary of the rest of the book um, there is uh, prophecy from Zechariah, John the Baptist, father zechariah, and uh, when you when you open up the Gospels, maybe Mary is prophesying, or Zechariah is prophesying, and this little segment that he says will explain what 's going to happen in the rest of the book in the book of Samuel. Uh, Samuel's mother Hannah prays a prayer, and she prays this prayer, and it's actually prophecy was what's going to happen in the rest of the book. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 are like that. They are a short summary, and they are symbolic of what's going to happen in the rest of the book. Now, when I say they're symbolic, I don't mean that it didn't literally happen. Just because something literally happened doesn't mean that it can't be symbolism. So, uh, but, but there is something that is symbolic, and if you will notice, uh, li- just go with me, Genesis chapter 2, all the scriptures on the screen. Follow with me in your Bible if you would like, all the scriptures on the screen. Uh, if, you, if you don't have a Bible and you don't like our giveaway Bibles, we have a booth out there and we, uh, we, uh, we have some, some Bibles, some study Bibles, something leather-bound if you like that and like to smoke a cigar and have many leather-bound books and... All that when you read, then then we have that. We're not making profit off of that. The price that is listed is what we paid for it. So, uh, that's there for you. But um, Genesis chapter two, verse eight through nine: The Lord God planted a garden in Eden. Do you ever do you ever notice that? You've always said the Garden of Eden, haven't you? It's a garden in Eden. Eden is symbolic of something. The garden is symbolic of something. Everything there is is symbolic. Um. In the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree, pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden. You have Eden, and in there you have uh, the garden, and in there you have the tree in the middle of that. This all means something. I'm not going to get into it because we will not finish in an hour as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two trees are planted in the middle of this, uh, what is symbolic of a temple, in the middle of this garden. And there is a tree of life, and there is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Think about that. And, And many of you have heard me speak on this before, but there are two trees there, and they are told not to eat of only one of them. See, they are allowed to eat from the tree of life, and the tree of life is is God. This is the life that God brings you. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the knowledge of good and evil is taking decisions upon ourselves. And so when we take from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we are choosing to be God for ourselves. We're choosing morality for ourselves. We're choosing to uh, basically take that place of God and, and do that ourselves through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that option exists Okay. Remember, there's something here that is that is for the rest of all time. This is a summary of what's going to happen in humanity, and so we have this tree of God, His way or God, my way, and we are in the Bible Belt. It is this weird fusion of believing in God but creating the God that we believe in. It's odd. And I am an atheist when it comes to that God. <laughs> and it's misleading. I know that sounds, that sounds strangely judgmental. Like, oh, you, you think that you've got carte blanche on knowing who God is? No, not at all. That's why we preach straight from the Scripture, Because we want to hear from God who he is. (laughs) Because if everybody just gets to make their own God, right? And that's what they were doing with the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded them, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on that day you earn it, you will certainly die. And what did they choose? Do you know the story of Adam and Eve? Which tree did they choose? There you go. They chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They chose to be God rather than to have God. Skip down the timeline a little. Go to Matthew chapter 27 with me. You know that Matthew is one of the four uh, eyewitness accounts or first-hand surveys of the life of Jesus. Matthew actually walked with Jesus, he's giving the story of the life of Jesus, and in the end he tells us this story, Matthew 27, 15-17. Now listen, I'm giving you some very, uh, if you've never been to church in your whole life, you'll know the stories I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know if you know that, but I hope you appreciate that. We don't, we don't assume knowledge here. I don't talk about stories that I haven't explained to you, because I assume that you haven't read the scripture before. That's okay. That's what we're here for. That's what this church does, okay? Uh, but these are, um, these are stories that everyone knows. I, I could find someone in, you know, uh, a different country from a different religion that would still know these stories because of their uh, infiltration into pop culture. Uh, but the story of Adam and Eve, and now the story of Jesus. Uh, Matthew twenty-seven, fifteen through seventeen. At the festival of the governor, at the festival, the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. Now this is when Jesus was on trial, right? And Pilate is trying uh, Jesus, and then he's like, "Aha! I've got an idea. Here's this festival, and I'm." Su- to release a prisoner. Maybe this is a way out for Jesus. And so what he does, well, let me read it and then I'll explain it. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Now, Barabbas is the English pronunciation of this. uh, And how they said it, I'm not exactly sure. Baraba, probably. But um, if you'll notice in there, there's a word that you might recognize in the second half of Barabbas' name. Abba. Baraba. And so, uh, Abba means father, and Bar means the son of, but Abba is specifically like God the father in this context. And so, when he gives them the choice, Pilate says, who do you want me to release to you? Do you want me to release to you Jesus, the son of God, who is God's son, whose teachings you didn't like, but reigns regardless, or Barabbas, which means the son of God, who was a notorious criminal who hated Rome and was trying to act militantly against Rome, (laughs) which is what the people wanted, right? And so the choice was, do you want me to release to you the son of God who is or the son of God that you want, He said, do you want me to release to you the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Over and over, we have this same decision. And so, verse 17, so when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, who is it you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? And what did they choose? Barabbas. They chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil evil they chose to be God rather than to have God they chose the God that they wanted God to be rather than the God who is and so I can just throw rocks at all of history because they were stupid but me obviously I mean we're in church right so we're a little better than all of them obviously our judgment is better You're like, no, you don't understand why I'm in church, (laughs) right? Here's something you can identify with, Romans chapter 6, verse 14 through 15, for we know that the law is spiritual, this is Paul speaking, Uh Paul who wrote 13 of the books in the Bible, maybe 14, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, he might have written it, I don't know, but he's got some credentials. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. Anybody in here ever been a slave to sin? I saw some hands that didn't go up. You, you need Jesus. Today's going to be a big day for you. For I do not understand what I am doing. Is that not your prayer? Have <laughs> you ever, you ever prayed to God and you just like, all you can say is like, I I need something. (laughs) I don't know. Because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Has anyone in here ever done what you hate? Have you ever done exactly what you preach and teach and tell others not to do? You know what's even worse? Has anybody ever done it a second time? (laughs) Have you ever done what you hate to the point that you hate you? It's very relatable that Paul is saying this because he's saying, what I hate, I do. I know it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I know I should change that contact to do not answer phone. And I pick up every time. And I know that the tree of life is good and the fruit is pleasing and it pleases God and it brings God down, but there's something that my flesh desires and it is offered in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so I continue to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, although I know who God is. We are constantly faced with the decision to have God or in a sense, be God. And we chose what Adam and Eve chose. We chose what uh, the Pharisees who crucified Jesus chose. I chose what you chose. You chose what I chose. And we are a sick, twisted bunch of individuals. But is it True. Here's the end result. Romans, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I know that you've chosen the tree of knowledge of good and evil over the tree of life. Because it's the human condition. And that is what Jesus came to save us from. Had we never chosen that, we would not have needed a Savior. So don't feel down on yourself because you've chosen wrong. Because there's only one who didn't. And that was Christ. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin, choosing the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, crucifying Jesus, giving into flesh, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus our Lord. And now, that's weird. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life life. But even if you don't choose God, don't you still live eternally? Isn't there like heaven and hell and aren't both eternal? There's a theme in the Bible that talks about eternal death and eternal life. And so when the Bible speaks of death versus life, we're talking about choosing the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the eternal consequences of both. And one is a death. I die every day so to speak, and one is life and renewed every day, so to speak. But is this true? Because at different times, it seems convenient for this to be true, such as the passing away of a loved one. It's very convenient to think that someone has gone on to the happy hunting ground. I, I turn on and listen. I don't, I don't, I don't hate any particular genre of music except for screamo. And some of y'all don't even know what that is. You think I, no rock? I like. I'm talking about <laughs> that. I don't like that. Is chaos to me, dude? I can't. No, that's like other than that, dude. I'll go. I'll go classical. I'll go hip hop. I'll go country. I don't care. But uh, thumbing through the radio stations, and our local variety tends to be a little southern. And I heard a song I'd never heard about somebody whose father had gone to heaven. And he said, I bet if there's a pond up there, you've caught every fish in it and all this stuff. And I was just listening to it and I was like, this is what makes people atheist. I can't believe in this. This is happy hunting ground. This is that special farm where your dog as a child went and had plenty of room to run. I'm too old for that. That's not real. I can't believe in that. There's no substantiation to it. It's only convenient and superstition. But then there are other times. There are other times (laughs) when it is not convenient at all to follow God. As a young man who had freshly desired to follow Jesus, I met a beautiful woman who became my wife, and I dated her for three and a half years without touching her, if you know what I'm saying. It was extremely inconvenient (laughs) to follow Jesus. Extremely. There are multiple times that I am Cussed at, violated, trampled, so to speak. Everybody wants to try the pastor. It's very inconvenient to follow him. Ripped off in business, because he ain't going to do nothing. He's the preacher. So which is it? Is it true or not? (laughs) So I have to make a decision Here's my question, if you choose the tree of life, is the tree of knowledge and good and evil still a temptation? Yes. Thank you. I was like, man, nobody ever must have chosen the tree of life before. There's, there's always a human and fleshly temptation to choose not God, and there will be times when it makes us question where is God in this and of course the preacher response is well if we're living in sin you can't expect God to show up and that's true that's true Please don't. Listen, I want you all to go. I want you to start churches. I want you to preach. I want you to teach. I want you to do all those things. Let me just, let me, let me just throw this out there. America's not going to church anymore. Now, the other, other continents are, and the world is actually becoming more religious, despite what's happening in America. But the, the, the world is actually getting more religious, and Christianity is a very growing and thriving religion. But America doesn't go to church except for two times. Weddings and funerals, and so we get up, and we will say of someone who has never followed God a day in their life, and this is hard for me to say, because I'm not trying to, to, to do anything super harsh, but we will get up, and we will tell a, a, a 10-year-old boy who knows nothing. This is all they'll ever hear of Jesus, and we'll say, oh, well, this person, you know, I know they, 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 they died of this. I know they died suicide bombing a cathedral, but they're in heaven now, It's just a, that that's just a superstition. And so what is this what does this 10-year-old boy what does this child think? Oh my gosh. So everybody just goes no matter what. And so there is some truth to that because I know the preachers are supposed to just say, "Well, if God's not showing up in your life, if he's not intervening in things, then that just means that you're doing something wrong." Tell that to the disciples who were hung, beheaded, crucified. Talk to Job, talk to anybody in the Bible. Whose life in the Bible do you want to trade with? <laughs> Which one of these guys? Oh, it would have been so cool to be Elijah and see fire rain down from heaven. And then he was hunted. This religion of convenience is that like, like where do you read that? But I thought God will bless you. He absolutely will bless you. In this laugh, while you're being hunted, Paul wrote his books praising God from prison. And said that he was blessed. This world is not going to go down without a fight. We're going to face persecutions but but this comes and we have this superstition theology that is ingrained in us and we're like this is nothing I was supposed to be healthy wealthy and wise and none of that has happened and so we begin to we begin to question and and we can talk about this and so, so many of you uh, it is, is becoming more popular to talk about these things which is not necessarily bad but you have questions about the Bible. Some of you do not believe in this room and that's okay I love you. I'm not, this is not not condemnational towards anyone some of you believe that what we have In our scriptures, not well, it's just been translated so many times. And there are some books that were supposed to be in there but aren't in there. Anybody heard that? Anybody fumble around, stumble those y'all don't want to raise your hand because you're like, well, somebody here next to me is really religious. This is a Woodbridge church. This is a sick bunch. Raise your hand. Okay? (laughs) You've heard that. Good. My goodness. Okay. Uh, So let, let me just tell you, and I can go through a lot of things with you. We don't have time to go through it all, but what is in your Bible, the 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, they are reliable. And they've always been, in fact, there's a reason why they're in there. Well, what about the Gospel of Mary Magdalene? What about the Gospel of, of Thomas? Those things aren't in the Bible. They're not in the Bible because, one, they conflict with the things that the Bible says. Two, they weren't written by the author that they claim to be written by. Three, they're written three or four hundred years after Mary Magdalene or Thomas died. <laughs> right? There are things that you have to meet as a criteria for canon. Well, what about the Old Testament? What about, what about the Maccabees? You ever, you ever seen the Catholic Bible? They got more than 66 books in there. Like, they're more religious. Well, there's also a reason they put those books in in there and l- listen, can our Catholics still Christian? We worship in the same God, yes, 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 yes. Uh, do I agree with the extra bi- uh, uh, uh pieces of scripture that they put in there? No, why because they're conflictual. Number one, Jesus nor anyone in the New Testament did not reference those things, and many of them we have unknown dates, authors, stuff like that. Honestly, the 66 books that are in your Bible are pretty much without conflict, maybe Songs of Solomon. You know, there's some people who are like, I don't know about Songs of Solomon. And you know what? I've never preached you out of that. Not because I don't believe in it. Just because, like, go read it on your own without your kids, okay? Some of y'all will be like, I will climb that mountain and take that fruit. Go read it. And then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the books that are in there are legit. They are trustworthy. In fact, this is the cool thing. They made prophecies hundreds or thousands of years ago that we have seen come true already. Oh, man. If, you, like, if you've never, go study Daniel. Study Daniel real deep and then come back. Come back talk to me. Study Isaiah. They were like, these people are going to come. They're going to take over this. And this is going to happen in this many years. And it happens just like they said. And we know that it was written in like 800 B.C. And then it happened. It's incredible. There are extra-biblical sources Jesus has talked about in a lot of other places uh, than in the Bible. We could talk about uh, the expansion of the universe, the fine-tuning argument. Let me just give you a, a, br- a brief synopsis. Um, we think that it is not by chance that we are here and that you are more than random chance, random molecules, random DNA. First of all, uh, if, if you believe in random, if you believe that everything happened from nothing without a creator, first of all, you've got to start with nothing and then get something from that, which I don't have enough faith to do that. But let's say that we do, okay? And then you just have like these protons that form or whatever. Uh, and then it creates a human down the road. Let me ask you this. What are the odds that a tornado sweeps through a junkyard and it starts gathering up material and then on the other end of that junkyard, a flying, like in flight, fueled up, Bowen 747 comes out perfectly on the other end? What are the odds of that happening? Those odds are far better than you happening by chance. You are much more, your eyeball is much more complex than a 747. 747. So we can do that on the macro level. We can do that on the micro level. We can talk about the existence of God. I've talked to you about the trilemma before. Jesus was definitely a historical figure. It is academic suicide to say that he wasn't, and he was either Lord, liar, or lunatic. He pretty much can't be anything else. I can go to archaeology and show you where things are. Y'all, Have you been following any of this stuff like around the Dead Sea? Man, for like 14 years they've been digging that up, and it's like, we found all these cities that are mentioned in the Bible and like. Like, they apparently something real hot dropped on them. and Man, we can dig this up in archaeology and we talk about that. But honestly, uh, my question is, is that enough for you? Because let me tell you, it's not enough for me. All of those things aren't enough for me. I tried. You know, I've been very open with you that it has been extremely hard for me to believe in God. Because this uh, well, for, for many reasons, but, but this idea of Santa Claus for adults did not appeal to me. I wanted to know the truth. By the way, the fact that we want to know the truth is also begging the existence of God. But it wasn't enough. Isn't it also interesting? Because I throw, I throw around things, like I, I, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I said, listen, if you, have, if you have decided to be an atheist or you've decided to be a Christian, but you've skipped the intellectual process of getting there, you're just lazy, right? And I said, said stuff like that. But sometimes there's a really quick conversion. And somebody like, uh, uh, you know, somebody will start the day out not a believer and end the day believer. believers. Like, how did that happen in a day? And, and I heard something brilliant to, uh, this week. I want to share it with you. because I think it also begs a question for God. And this is going to help us solve the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil debate in our own mind, in our own heart, because you have questions and you are in the middle of a culture who is begging you not to believe in God. You are in the middle of an education system who will fire professors for teaching about God. We are at war and you and your children are being taught that there is no God but God offers something and it comes through faith. Maybe this maybe this will make more sense to you. I, I need, I've got a volunteer picked out. Come here volunteer. If you pick out a volunteer, it's a volunteer. <laughs> don't don't tell anybody, but I want you to read and hold on, let me give you a scenario first. We're playing basketball. See, measuring me up. We're playing basketball, and you trip, and you fall, and you hit the court hard. I need you to fall here in a minute. I need you to get back up. We weren't there yet. Okay? Too early. early. You're going to have to do that again, and this this may all become a reality. Here are the two things. Don't tell anybody. Here are the two things that I need you to know about your trip and fall. Okay? You got them? Okay, give me that back. No, you may. You may trip and fall. Okay. He's down. Some of you in the back can't see him, but he has sold it. I actually think he may be hurt. (laughs) Now, I saw him sprain his ankle, and he tripped and he fell, and he's laying there. You're playing basketball, okay? Diagnose the problem. What does he need to do? Sprain his ankle, trip and he fell. What does he need to do? (laughs) <laughs> his mama said his mama said walk it off and so mama we're going to call you buddha okay and buddha says you need to get up and walk it off all right what else is what, what, what would you say ice he needs to ice it. so muhammad says you need to put some ice on it and let the swelling go down what else what else we got to say <laughs> just that was tacky okay what Call a doctor? Okay, okay, Joseph Smith, we're going to call a doctor. All right, and so we have all of this advice rolling in. And he's landed. You're not dead, by the way. You can turn your head. Okay, true, true. From the neck up, you're good. Now, off of the bleachers, off of the bleachers, runs in a doctor and says, back away from him. hold on, hold on, quit trying to outsmart my scenario here, (laughs) off the bleachers runs in a doctor and says, I'm a doctor, everyone needs to back up, this man has broken his back. But why do I believe you over anyone else? Because I'm going to tell you two things. Now this is the reason he hasn't been moving because I know this and and you don't. But I'm going to tell you two things. One is you can't move. And number two is you can't feel your legs. And so I have all of these religions diagnosing me. I have existentialism diagnosing me. But then when Jesus comes in to diagnose me, it's like he's reading my diary. And no one else understood that I couldn't feel my body and that I couldn't move my legs, but he did. Now, I run in and say, back away, call 911. This man has broken his back. I know I'm a doctor, and you can't move your body, and you can't feel your legs. Question is, whose advice is he going to go with? The, the one who knows what's going on with him. Why? Because I said things to validate my diagnosis. Church? In any trial, we would ask, what does it take to prove this woman is innocent? What would it take to prove this man was guilty? What evidence do we have? And we would work based upon that evidence. And the question has to be, and there are laws set up for this, what would it take to convince me that this is true? And here's the conundrum When we get into Christianity, there's an answer. Now, for some of you, you're like, hey, I've got a question, and I've heard an answer, but it's not a satisfactory answer. And I've got a few of those myself. I get it. But there's an answer, and that's not enough. It's not enough until Jesus runs in and says, I've given you the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you have chosen the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You've chosen to play God with your own life. You've chosen to take things into your own hands. And you've made a mess of it. And here's how. And here's how you get out of it. And you go, how did he know that I can't move and that I can't feel my legs? Landon, you can go ahead and get up. You've been healed. Awesome. He don't, he don't need no help. Thank you. But Jesus comes in, and this is where faith ignites for you. Because he has diagnosed you, and he knew what no one else seemed to know. This is where faith begins. Because we can talk about evidence all day long. Man, we can, we can sit in here and talk about where would dinosaurs be in the Bible. And we can go through all of that weeks. We'll never finish it. We could sit here on Genesis chapter 1. And, and for the rest of my career as a preacher, we could have Genesis chapter 1. And never get to the end of it. You can watch debates all day long. Guilty. I've done some of that. You can read books. I have, if any of you uh, have questions, some of my favorite books I actually have outside so that they're just there and accessible for you. I've pre-read all of those so that you can be like, okay, this sort of has some sort of stamp of approval. I have others that I've been going through, which is where this analogy came from today. I get it. I've researched those things, but here's the thing. You have problems. You have concerns. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. <laughs> First off, and I don't, I don't want this to be tacky. I just, like, I want this to help you get over a stumbling block. You're like, well, I just have questions about God. And I have, Are you researching that? No? Then obviously those aren't the questions that bother you. I don't want that to sound tacky. Here's what I mean by that. Entertain the idea that it's something else that's bothering you. We do classes on Sunday nights here. My apologetics classes, which is basically the defense of the faith, proofs for God. Those are the least attended classes we have. Those answers typically don't mean anything for us. I studied and studied and studied and studied and I was just trying to skirt around faith. But it takes faith. How does that work? Just like this. Jesus comes in and diagnoses you and it sparks your faith and you think maybe he knows something and then you begin to follow him and it takes you out and it leads you and you have faith because he has been faithful. Let me give you a biblical example of what happened in John chapter 1, verse 43 through uh, 51. I'm going to take you into the story of Nathaniel. You've never heard of this person, but he was actually one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Uh, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was uh, from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip and Nathaniel, uh, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and so did the prophets. That don't mean anything to Nathaniel. Maybe they did, maybe he doesn't. Maybe I believe Philip a little bit, but I don't know. His faith has not been maybe sparked yet. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Immediately he replies, Can anything good come from Nazareth? <laughs> Some of you have been excited, and you've gone to your friends, like, I found this church in Ranger, and the pastor's a psycho, but I got a Bible, and that was cool, and you should come with me. And they're like, can anything good come from Ranger? Right? And so, uh, so don't, don't throw rocks at anybody, because Nathaniel just hadn't, hadn't met Jesus yet. He hadn't tripped and fallen and been diagnosed yet, but he's about to. Nathaniel asked him, come and see. Oh, man, there. Come and see, Philip answered. Like, isn't that your best response? Anyways, then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael was like, What kind of games are you trying to play with me? It was, like that old, it was like that old show where that guy would be like, I'm feeling the spirit, somebody in here with the name of A. Somebody's name start with A, and somebody in the crowd like, ah! I'm Adam, and you're just like oh my gosh people this is like gullible on the next level made entertaining tv and they're like adam you had you had grandparents at once you don't say adam's 65 years old be like your grandpa passed away right otherwise he'd be 125 come on anyways so so nathaniel's like don't try to guess my life I don't know that, I can't say that's what Nathaniel was thinking. But I'm saying it wasn't enough to spark anything. So this is what Jesus does. He says, how do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Why was that important? Yeah, because Jesus ran in and said, Nathaniel. You can't feel your legs and you can't move. And you read the scripture and God says you can't feel your legs and you can't move and nobody else seems to know that about you because there's stuff that I haven't told anybody else. So I'm embarrassed of that. I'm ashamed of that. But he seemed to know about that. I seem to be convicted about this. I seem to be drawn to this. Some of you are in church, you don't even believe in God and you're drawn to come here. Why? Because Jesus came into your heart and said you can't feel your legs and you can't move. Worship team, I want you to go ahead and come up. Verse fifty. Jesus responded to him, "Do you believe? Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this." Then he said, "Truly, truly," uh, he said, "Truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man." And in that moment, Nathaniel got a seed of hope. He got a seed of faith, and then he began to follow Jesus. And as did all of the disciples, they said over and over. Oh now we believe that you're really the son of God. And then Jesus would do something else and be like, oh, "Now we believe that you're the son of God." And like if you it's almost hysterical. Read through the gospels and look for it. Like all the time they're going, oh, "I get it." Oh wait. I get it. And so this child over here is profoundly accurate when she says, yes, after you have chosen the tree of life, you begin to question. Because I see the party that they seem to be having under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're posting pictures on social media. I'm the only one not in the party. Maybe I should be my own God. But they're lying to you. I'm not saying that there's no happiness. I'm not saying that there's no joy. I'm not saying that there's uh, atheists that aren't good people. I, I, I know people don't believe in God and I'm quite fond of them. I like them. I think they're great people. But I serve the God who is, not the God who I want. And that God says, follow me for I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man leads to the Father but through me. And so it does not matter how much temptation. It does not matter how much pleasure the world can give me. There is no eternal benefit in it. Why do I believe that? Because Jesus said you can't feel your legs and you can't move. And I said, how did you see me under the fig tree? How did you know that I was choosing the wrong tree? Why do I feel like I need this? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was available for nathaniel and he had to be reminded over and over and over and over and over to choose the tree of life judas who betrayed jesus later had the same decision and he chose the knowledge of good and evil over the tree of life and my question is what tree will you choose And some of you say, I don't have enough evidence. I don't have enough answers. The evidence is there. I'm proposing to you that evidence is not what you need, it's faith. Well, faith in what? Let God do a cool party trick. Let Him, no, 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 no. You are not going to pull on the strings and Him dance for you. Everyone ran in to diagnose your problems when you tripped and fell and he was the one that knew what was going on with you. There's your seed of faith. Follow Jesus and he will increase that faith. What will it take to choose the tree of life day after day? Church, Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God and to every man he has given the measure of faith sometimes I've accused God of giving me too small a measure of that faith maybe it was for your benefit that it was so hard for me to believe I don't know it has felt like a curse more often than a blessing but I have too many stories to deny seen too many things to deny, and it started with a little seed. Man, church, I want you to take that seed, and I want you to run with it. Pray with me. Lord, we worship you because you are faithful, and you have never failed us. And God, I pray for hurting souls in here who all this has done is spark more questions. God, I pray that you will bring them peace. God, there are hurting Hearts in this place that words have nothing for. But, Lord, I pray that you will run in, just like this silly analogy that I've done, Lord, and speak directly into their hearts because no man, no woman, no, no living person here could ever have an answer for them outside of you. So, God, I pray for those souls. I pray for faith. I pray for our children, for the next generation, Father, that we have something that is so contagious, Lord. It's not just a spark. It's a brush fire. And we ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The worship team is going to play the last song. Baskets that are going to come up. Don't forget, if you want to, uh, if you want to give to uh, the school, um, uh, you know, offering to, to help with school supplies, please uh, put that in an envelope and let us know. Uh, what that donation is for so that we can, uh, you know, have an an appropriate account for that. Um, I think we're good. Stand and worship with us.